Welcome to the SNS ICE podcast, your go-to source for the latest news and in-depth insights into the world of 6G in Europe. Join us as we dive into industry news, analyze the latest trends, and discuss the development of the new generation of cellular networks. Hello and welcome to the podcast. We are in for a treat today. We are joined by 6GIA board member and vice chair Rafaela de Pepe. He recently led a conversation at the EU CNC event with illustrious representatives from various industries titled 6G for Verticals, Expectations and the Way Forward. And you listener will be able to listen in on that conversation. But before we roll that recording, we're joined by Rafaela to discuss his perspective on the topic to gain some insight. Uh, and I'm Julia Gifford, CEO of True6 and head of communications at 5G Territory, leading this conversation with Rafaela today. So let's jump in. Rafaela, why at this extremely early stage in the development of 6G are we talking to verticals? Why is it so important? Well, uh, actually, we are talking to, to verticals since 2018 to engage them on 5G already. At that time, the 5G Industry Association, so the 6GAA predecessor representing the private side and the 5G PPP, decided to create at board level a special task force to engage with verticals. Since then, I'm sharing this very special task force to include key vertical sectors of the European economy, such as automotive, transportation, health, space, public safety, and cybersecurity, in the design of 5G and in the design of 6G from a very early stage. Now as then, it is important to engage with vertical from day one, to accommodate from day one their needs and the design of a technology that they will adopt in the future. We are designing, with the contribution of verticals, a new mobile generation for the next decade, so the 6G, that will create a positive impact for its future adopters, either for the consumer mass market and for the industrial customers. Be aware that 6G as 5G will be more and more industry-oriented to support the digital transformation process of our economies. Do you think that these early stage discussions with vertical representatives can minimize the initial disappointment with the new G as we've sort of seen happen with 5G? Uh, yes. Engaging with verticals in early stage discussion will, will allow them to contribute to 6G design. That will help 6G to be more tailored to their specific needs. On the technology side, we have a solid process to have the verticals in the loop from research to adoption. Vertical participate in pilot projects with vendors and operators to define new schedules for pilots and POCs. Finally, they participate to large-scale trials to validate 6G against the use cases they have defined. Of course, 6G adoption will not depend only on the technology per se. So regulatory roadblocks, XG economic sustainability, and the search of innovative services are the other pieces that must come together to make 6G a successful technology across different verticals. That said, 5G is now available in, in its standalone version across different markets. This will bring new hype and less disappointment for verticals, in my opinion. Oh, well, let's hope for that and fingers crossed. Um, and so for the most successful results to be achieved with the eventual 6G deployment, uh, what is the best way to interact with verticals? And what kind of input do you as 6GIA even need from them? Well, yeah, the vertical task force running under the 6GIA board has successfully implemented a vertical engagement strategy. The first pillar of the strategy are partnership with verticals based on memorandum of understandings. We have signed memorandum of understandings with the most prominent vertical fora in Europe. They were all there on stage. So the 5G AA for automotive, the 5G ACAA for smart manufacturing, ESA for space, PSC for public safety and extra for cybersecurity, Ertico for transportation and the 6G Health Institute for Health. And we're about to sign an MOU with 5G Mag, a branch of the European Broadcasting Union for Media. Now, most of these associations are also 6GIA members, and, and one of them, so the PCCE, is even a board member. 
and it, they were re-elected in the last three elections. Demo your agreement we have in place with all these verticals for our collaboration framework, triggering other engagement activities. For instance, we agreed to attend key vertical events with high main board level speakers to promote 5G, now 6G, create awareness and momentum. We also offered to our MOU partners to participate to our working groups, in which we produce together white papers on topics of mutual interest. All this allows us to gather the inputs and turn them into technical requirements, test them in trials and pilots, and finally influence the standard. We have even created a special group with all this verticals association to discuss the joint standardization strategy, mainly for 3GPP. The following step would be to address policymakers and regulators to foster pro-investment policies for sick gene. Well, that sounds very promising and very thorough. Now I have a potentially provocative question for you. One of the things that was emphasized in the panel was that there's still so much to be done with 5G. Do you think that we're getting ahead of ourselves discussing 6G already this early at this stage? Well, uh, now 5G is up and running since a while, but the industrial version of 5G, so the 5G standalone, has just arrived. So let's see what happens with this advanced version, particularly tailored for industry. A new gene, it's uh, about 10 years cycle from research to adoption. So it is not early to talk about 6G. 4G was conceived in the early 2000s and came to market in 2010. After 2010, 5G research started and came to mass market in 2020 with some early launches in 2019 already. 6G research started in 2021 and it is expected to come to market before 2030 with some parts of the world launching ahead of schedule. Innovation cycles in technology tend, tend to shorten and this is true also for mobile technologies. But we must be very careful to align with market conditions and the, uh, the overall industry situation. Today, operators are still struggling to monetize 5G. So they do not want to hear about 6G for a while, if not in, a, in their labs corridor. Really? I would have thought that 6G would be considered the next moneymaker for mobile operators. And we hope that. <laughs> Great. So if you think back to the panel discussion that you led, did any of the responses in the panel surprise you or stand out? Or was it just about what you had expected? No. I work with vertical six years now and I know they have a very pragmatic approach. They do not want mobile technologies, but solution for the need. GEs is just the marketing of our industries, but for vertical, GEs do not really matter so much. They need solution. No matter if they are based on 4G, 5G, or 6G, as long as the solution is there in a timely and economically viable way. I appreciated the fact that speakers were very frank in their responses. Also, some disappointments are part of the game, of course. This will stimulate us to do more and better for 6G. If there was one unifying lesson that we can learn from the panel discussion about what the verticals need, what would that be and how would you characterize it? Well, the lesson learned for us is that we must focus on solutions and services rather than on the te technology alone. To this respect, we must reinforce our research on new services that can be delivered within 6G networks to turn 6G networks into a one-stop shop of digital services and technologies. So, for 6G, we need a more holistic approach. Bottom-up research is not enough anymore. We need also top-down guidance based on a solid vision, not only of our, our sector, but all of uh, the, all those sectors we want to start with 6G. We will provide this cross-vertical vision of, for 6G within the SNS ICE project, a, a, a European-funded project needed by 6G a directly that includes deeper vertical engagements on 6G on top of what we are already doing with the vertical engagement task force. The project will include also a web-based vertical tracker. One can navigate to find which 6G project is dealing with a given vertical in which country and on which particular use cases is addressed. Perfect. With this succinct introduction and overview, I think that it's time for us to jump into the panel discussion. 
6G for Verticals, Expectations and the Way Forward, as moderated by Rafael de Pepe. Thank you, Rafael. Thank you. Hello, Andreas. Uh, warm welcome. Andreas is general chair of the 5G uh, Alliance for Connected Industry and Automation. Um, and um, we are collaborating with them since quite a while now. Uh, we have uh, transportation and logistics with Ertico. Uh, hello, Nico. Nico, Nico Tsamperis. Uh, Nico is in, also in the board of the Ertico in innovation and deployment part. Last but not least, we have, uh, we have health on board with the SIGG Health Institute. Uh, hello, Christoph uh, Tumler. Christoph Tumler is um, uh, Chief Medical Officer of the 6G Health Institute, which is uh, for the landing a German association. Right. The format of the panel will be as follows. I will project a question for each of uh, the panelists, and we will gather, you know, the responses. And uh, if we have time, we will open and have also a little Q&A session. Okay. Uh, so in, alph in alphabetic order, Emmanuel, cybersecurities. Fortunately, I would say nowadays considered as a prerequisite to any digital service. How you would define the respected community's awareness and involvement on cybersecurity in SMG? Thanks, Afedic. So I was wearing uh, the hat of EXO today. I have to say a few words on EXO. So EXO was born with the previous phase of the BBB partnerships, uh, but with some specifics because it was a private site, but with national security agency, with public administration, uh, regional representatives, capital investors, uh, and so on. So a bit different from what we know in uh, in CG uh, or previously uh, 5G uh, IA. And today, EXO is a support of something which is new organization, which is the ECCC, European uh, Cybersecurity Compliance Center, which is maybe the next step after the GU, because it's in hardware uh, implemented as a way to manage uh, cybersecurity in Europe. So EXO is, was awarded to support that. And so this uh, sector in Bucharest was also the network of national sectors uh, around uh, Europe. Uh, this said, I guess, uh, if we discuss verticals, we have to, to have a basic understanding of what is the cybersecurity industry, which, by the way, comes for some billions. <laughs> so this is not uh, compared to telecoms. This is not only, uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, identity and access management with the SIP card. It's much, much more beyond, beyond that. And it starts with what we call a CDI, Cyber Threat Intelligence. So every day knowing the, the knowledge of the vulnerabilities and what the malicious guys, the bad guys are doing. So it, it's, it's an everyday burden that which is, which is not achieved in any other uh, sectors of, of the industry, so that's legitimate uh, this industry. It's uh, also uh, activities and business to evaluate with the labs for certification, it's consulting, it's risk management, and it's something that maybe you know of a product at, at security services. All of that uh, leads to a very high level of events. And today I should say that there is a kind of competition between the same articles that I said, by the way, uh, for automotive, for aircraft, for, uh, for AI, for cloud, for IoT, uh, there is requirements for security. So the poor guys on the security side are not enough. So we have our first problem is the skills. And, and we need skills. And in this picture, there is a kind of competition and the relationship with all the big, which is supposed to be telecom industry, whatever it means today, uh, as we enlarge uh, just the scope. Uh, is is an issue, and we try to uh, to 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 improve that. Uh, and we had already some exchanges, you know, in the past. Uh, uh, I mean, Exo contributed uh, through the SRIA. Uh, we have uh, we are going to organize workshops through the, uh, the CSAs and so on. So this is ongoing, but with this open question of a common understanding. On one side, if you are a pure cybersecurity guy, 
you may spend your life on crypto without knowing anything about 5G and 6G. On the other side, uh, on the network side, you may think that security is just a SIM card, as I said. Uh, so uh, in both cases, this is not a real picture. This is not what we need, because if you want, we, we were discussing a video, cuts of video, a video of cuts, sorry. It's very grammatic. This one, there is no problem. But what is happening at the east of Europe today, just raise the fact that we need a little bit more than that. And there is a strategic challenges in, in the infrastructure. If you, if you want 5G or 6G to become the under layer for any digital services, we need to put the right level of, of, of security and we need, we need to, to work together with the uh, both communities. Yeah, thank you, Manuel. Yeah, I, I, you all understand that cybersecurity today is really a prerequisite for everything, you know, from, from telecommunication, artificial intelligence. Yeah, just, 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 just for the fun, uh, in EXO, we have a working group with the verticals and telecom is the vertical. Okay, no, no, no. Uh, absolutely. Of course, we are. Everybody is a vertical from for somebody else. Of course, that is that is always always true. Uh, okay, thank you, thank you much, Emmanuel. Uh, Very interesting. Okay, I Maxime. So, five um, G deployment has started from some some time now, right? Five uh, G networks are there, uh, but automotive has a vertical net. And automotive as a vertical is representing a very big opportunity for our, for the industry, for our industry. So what did France from your point of view, or what did we do wrong in, in this moment? I mean, how do we, how do we explain that we saw, we, we see so little equipped, uh, cars with 5G on the road so far? So that's an interesting question. What did you do wrong or what, well, we didn't do anything wrong. I can tell you, um, I think we worked on the, the the the, ver the automotive vertical as the the, the one vertical I mean uh, as one of the main vertical that would contribute to return investment for automotive I can tell you we we came back from the dark age of the 3G in 2000 2010 nobody wanted to talk about connectivity in the cars at that time there was some some uh, lost expectations in the, the early 2000s and um, so we we are coming out of that 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 dark age uh, for if you if you make a parallel with 4G 4G was um was um, standardized in 2008 and then 2016 it was re really take up of the automotive uh, in terms of uh, embedding 4G IT into the car so that that took 8 years so we 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 have to give the time to the verticals to actually adopt the technologies in their own uh, in their own uh, way of uh, of uh, building up products for 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 their market, uh, and today eighty five percent of the cars are sold uh, with some kind of connectivity LTE to X, but LTE and then also eventually with five G. Uh, we see already models with five G, so uh, and then these models are coming up. And if we look at our roadmap, we, we can say that uh, there is a tipping point in 2025 where 5G beam gets into the uh, into the car. So it did, if you would make the parallel with 5G, um, 2019 was the, the initial rollout of the of 5G. We have to give it a time of uh, five to six years uh, between uh, before we get really to the the mass market. Now, and there is also an, uh, another aspect is of 3GPP is going to be released and. Uh, uh, 5G release 15, uh, to be honest, was not exactly the one that was uh, targeted or given to, to the automotive. Release 16 is perhaps the, the first one. For, so that's where the promises are, are getting uh, realized. So the real opportunities for the verticals are interesting there. 
And so um, you end up with some um, standalone options, such computing, slices. And so we need to, and the vac the, the vacant manufacturers are expecting to get some answers to the question, the questions that they, and the promises have to be delivered by the mobile network operators. Now, the challenge is that we are starting to talk about seeds and that's really confuses the verticals. Uh, we are getting into a situation where, oh, why should I actually even go to, to, to 5G when 6G is, uh, is around the, the corner? So we, we need to be a bit careful and, and not talk about revolution and rather evolution, to give that perspective of evolution when we enter the 6G or the 6G arena. So, and I, I cannot really, I mean, I'm not here to tell you what is the, the sales uh, perspective uh, of, of our members in terms of 5G products, but I can tell you that in the 5G roadmap, there are a few very clear hints. So, so for, first, from a release, uh, we have observed that we need three to four years between a release uh, standardization and then uh, an actual uh, uh, reaching the market. So that we always have. So 5G is clearly the technology of choice for the automotive markets all over the world. They want global solutions and they are going to get global solutions with that. Uh, automation uh, often is put together with the, the, the connectivity. I would be careful with that. So the, uh, the automation is a big part or eventual part of, the, uh, uh, of what is driving us towards 5G, but it's not the only, only part. And so we, we have uh, heard it also within, within the automotive industry that to put together the telco or the, the V2X part uh, and the advanced driver assisted system. So still, uh, there is reluctance within the uh, industry in engineers that are that like their sensors and the vehicles. They often say, "Well, whatever comes from outside, I don't trust it." And so there is a trust factor in this that still needs, uh, and and that that requires a little bit of um, of persuasion within the automotive industry. With the 5G comes another uh, another very important element for the automotive is the 5G V2X direct communication. And there I can tell you that the vehicle manufacturers in Europe and around the world are converging toward it. They are really believing that this is the technology that is going to eventually make the merge between V2X and ADAS and lead to, to more automations. Now, two, uh, one more minute, uh, just looking beyond that industry, uh, beyond the automotive industry, we are seeing that there is a very important role of the European Commission to make sure that the 5G corridors are properly covered uh, all around Europe. And it, it would not work that you have a, uh, one country where you, where you have perfect coverage and then you just go to the, the next one and then you end up with poor coverage. The customers, the drivers would not understand why there is such a discrepancy in terms of services uh, across Europe. Then the second uh, other industry that is very important to us in becoming more and more important is the, the space industry, both in terms of GNSS and positioning, but also uh, in terms of what we call Monterey's GN network in 3GPP, uh, so the satellite communication in particular. And where we really insist is that we need an integration between the NTN and the terrestrial network. Uh, if, if, we, if we don't achieve that 5G integration and seamless uh, handover between the satellite constellation and the, 
there is the network. We're not, not going to make it in terms of connecting the satellite. And the last part is making sure that the road operators, the traffic managers, the, all these entities that are building roads have, don't do their part of the digitization of the, of their, of, of their industry. So meaning uh, delivering in their faces that eventually can be used by anyone. Uh, for um, traffic safety or... Okay, thank you, Maxime. I think you were most of very, very exhaustive <laughs> uh, response. Okay, the uh, next question is for Georges Karakinandis from IOTI. IOTI is somewhere very similar to CGIS. It's there engaging vertical as well. We are now collaborating on agricultural space in particular. So the question for Georges, uh, what are the steps that your association is following to enable the equivalent requirements coming from your vertical industry Members are taken into consideration by European global standardization activities. And how do you plan to engage with your vertical industry members? Yeah, th thank you very, very much, Raphaele. So I'm representing here IoT Ed. It stands for Alliance for IoT Niche Computing Innovation. So the, this alliance has actually um, five vertical work groups. So uh, agriculture, energy, mobility, manufacturing, and health. Mobility is about automot uh, automotive. And they are actually uh, very much aligning and uh, also cooperating with other, say, we are calling it horizontal work groups like uh, research priority and standardization. And in order to engage, you know, the IETA members and as well the vertical industry members, what we are doing is to um, discuss with them and then, um, uh, you know, find. Uh, any topics that are relevant for the day-to-day -day work and then uh, uh, simulate them to contribute to IT. This kind of, uh, of uh, contributions are focusing on use cases, uh, best cases, uh, requirements, and these requirements could focus on different topics. And one of the topics is what kind of requirements are IoT and edge computing imposing on underlying communication infrastructures including 5G. So then, uh, you know, the contributions that we, we collect, so particularly the vertical industry groups are collecting those uh, the contributions on use case, for example, requirements, and as well, the standardization work group for um, GERA. And then um, based on that, they are making reports, publishing reports, and those reports are then uh, communicated and presented by liaisons to uh, European, but also to global and international uh, standardization bodies like the GBP, um, like uh, ITVT, uh, IEC, uh, ISO, GTC1 in particular. So this is the way of how we actually uh, engage with the verticals and as well, uh, you know, try to, to get this uh, global, uh, you know, uh, synergy. Okay, thank you. So I think this is very similar to what we do in CCGIA. I mean, we are also kind of use case driven. So we try to collect from our vertical industries use cases and we bring them, you know, to big trials and then eventually to standardization. So that is, I think, the best process that we can imagine so far. Okay. And going to public safety side, um, David, uh, why is mobile communication crucial for public safety as a vertical and how does public safety rely on the so-called G's? Yeah, the G's. Yeah, the G's. It's a confusing phrase, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so public safety, actually, we're still currently using the 2G class technology. Okay, it's push to talk, it's uh, Tetra radios are mostly used, so push to talk, short data, that's what they rely on. They do use a little bit of mobile broadband, but over the top and not reliable. Okay, so this is, you know, we need to advance that. We, these Tetra technology has been in use for, say, 25 to 30 years. 
very well trusted, secure, reliable, and trusted. And and we need to get there creating new mobile broadband standards just for public safety. This began around release 13, and by release 15, we have these uh, mission critical services standardized. SA6 was formed as a part of this to help coordinate that. And um, so so we now have mission critical push for talk over broadband, uh, mission critical data, mission critical video. Video you can't do of Tetra to show. We also need priority preemption. So the, the public safety responders need to be able to communicate even when the whole networks are congested. They need priority over consumers, priority over businesses. They don't like that. Net neutrality has been a bit of a thought. But what we've been doing over, say, the past eight years or so, uh, we've been leading certain programs led by, uh, funded and led by the Director General, European Commission Director General Home Affairs. And, and so we, we were tasked, you know, work how does mobile broadband going to look to public safety? We validated around 700 requirements over one year with 274 responder organizations across 18 countries in Europe. That was quite a challenge. But the motivation and the drive from the partners involved at ministries and agency level really just a, a, an example of why this is important. Then we ran the Broadway project. This was a, a, a pre-commercial procurement of innovation. So bringing together government organizations in the countries, those that operate Tetra, for example, and saying, okay, let's procure that technology, standardize now, let's procure it, put it in place and run pilots and trials. And so that was very successful last year. We concluded this last year, but now what's happened now, it's fed back into the European policy. And so Director General Home Affairs have now made this a serious priority. So we are looking now to have a new wide mission critical communication system. The policy is driving this now. Even just last week, they formed an expert group just for mission critical communication. Mm. So that you can have the same quality everywhere. Seamless operation as you cross borders, things like that. So it's actually driving the the, the policy now. I'm I'm actually quite proud to be a six GIA board member flying the flag for public safety. This is working quite nicely. We're involved in one or two of these projects, and the innovation still is key. As we as our community start to deploy across Europe, the innovation still needs to to develop. Well, how are we going to use mobile broadband? You know, because the users don't really use it. Yeah, so, yeah. I'll I'll, uh, I'll just conclude. I mean, we'll we'll be um, we, we don't care what the G is, what the number in front of the G is. We just need coverage. Satellite is key. NTN terrestrial networks don't cover everywhere, so okay. we are tasked to work with the Iris Squared program. So that's great. Yeah, I think um, this come a bit in different verticals. I mean, you're looking for solution, not for technologists, I guess. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is common needs. Yeah, so um, finally, let's work together to make Europe safer and more secure. Thank okay, you. thank you. Thank you, David, very, very much. Okay, let's move now to the industry sector, uh, heavyweight of the European industry. Andreas uh, from 5G ACAA, what happened to today's digital domain? After the big hype, it seems that there are only few factories running on 5G at this point in time, and I guess maybe uh, mainly all 5G private networks. So, was industrial 5G maybe overhyped? Yeah, the good news is industrial 5G is becoming a reality as we speak. Of course, there are not too many factories running with 5G yet, but the number is increasing. We have the increasing device ecosystem. 5G CIA is still gaining new members. It's growing. Uh, we had a big event in Japan last month on uh, Tokyo, which was very successful. Also, there is a lot of interest in the Japanese community. And also, if you look at Hannover Messe this year, which is the largest fair for the auto industry, there was a lot of excitement around 5G, and it's basically reviving again after the pandemic. But at the same time, of course, uh, you're right, so it's not a widespread reality yet. 
And what we have seen here is probably the extreme version of a hype cycle. And originally the expectations were a bit higher that we see industrial 5G faster and on a, on a broader scale than where we are today. And I think it has a lot to do with the right expectation management. So, and a little bit similar to what uh, Maxime said before, right? So when uh, the telco industry came to the OT industry around 2015, 2016, for the very first time and said, okay, we will have 5G, one millisecond latency, five, six, nines, reliability, and so on. Do we want this and what can it do with it? And of course, the OT industry said, yeah, great. Then we can do run our closed control systems over 5G and do really critical communication. But then at some point, people had to realize, oh, there's not just one 5G. There are these different releases. And release 15 is maybe not exactly what delivers this one millisecond, this five, six, nine reliability and so on. So then, okay, we said, let's wait for the, for the right releases, maybe 16, maybe 17, so they provide a lot of features and capabilities that are very interesting. But then people had to realize, oh, it's in the standard, but not implemented yet. It's so, and I think that's a little bit still where we are. Now more and more features are being implemented. RedCap, the first chipsets and admins, we have increased reliability. We have um, early support for some TSM features. And it makes it more and more um, attractive and interesting. And so therefore we are seeing now more traction in the market when everything is public. Um, but uh, I see many things going on and I'm very positive that uh, it will take up now. Maybe just the last comment, what can we learn from this for 6G? Because this event is very much focused on 6G. I think first of all, we should not forget that there's still some work to be done on the 5G side to make this a commercial subject. Uh, we should also be careful with the expectation management, not to raise too high expectations because then we will experience exactly the same situation again. And it's very important, and I think this has been mentioned many times before, to really closely collaborate between the telco industry and the verticals from the very beginning. And it's more than just asking for body mining requirements. It's looking at the actual problems, sitting together, and then trying to find holistic solutions for solving these problems. And this is not necessarily even lower latency or even our reliability. It's having holistic human things. And I think this is what needed and where we still have room for further. Yeah, thank you, Andreas. I think I, I could not agree more on what you are saying on this. And we will try to make to fine tune this process for 6G. Hopefully. Christoph Tumbler, uh, representing the health industry. 5G has hardly arrived in the health vertical, but, uh, and is there a real need to talk about 6G at this point in time from your point of view? Thank you very much. I try to keep that brief, you know, because I see that we're running out of time. Yeah, we have five, 10 minutes more probably. Yeah, so basically, um, I think it is very important to talk about 5G and 6G in the health domain. I mean, health domain is a huge domain in Europe. It counts for roughly 12% of the GDP. In the US, more than 20 In China, 5%. And we have not much achieved yet with 5G in the domain. Actually, it's non-existent. When I was at the Arabics earlier in the year, there was not a single device that was actually capable of connecting to a network using 5G in any way or form. So we have to definitely talk about this and it needs to be forward compatible to 6G, also backward compatible to 4G. And this is why we have to have a comprehensive discussion on this and we need far more activities and initiatives powered by the national governments in the EU and the Estonian to get ahead serious yes. market share. Yeah, I think yeah, I understand that. Of course, the health industry is a very complex industry. Peace must, must come together. It's not only a question of technology, but also of regulation, investment, and you must, you must 
and find a magic connection between all these uh, uh, the species. Uh, we are, okay, you, you are now also a member of SyncGIA, so of course we will collaborate on this uh, from now on, uh, and we hope to get better results uh, with uh, SyncGIA. Okay, last but not least, I would say, uh, Nikos, uh, representing Ertico, a huge uh, in, in industry, industrial domain, uh, you are representing smart mobility. As a total, we are collaborating mainly on transportation and, and logistics. So we are all working now towards achieving sustainable, efficient, and safe mobility. How will SIGG realize this vision and how is the SIGG will disrupt transportation and the mobility sector from your point of view? Uh, first of all, to thank my colleagues and also Christophe because he kept to the time, so he saved some time for me. Sure. The next time I come with a different name because alphabetical order does not favor me. <laughs> so in, in any case, uh, thank you very much, uh, Rafael, for the question. First of all, uh, Ertico, as you said, is a public-private organization bringing together uh, mobility stakeholders from various, uh, from various communities, from the SICAM community, clean and sustainable energy community, supply and logistics. And we are trying to make mobility smarter, safer, and more efficient. That's our vision and I'll make sure bikes and lights are coming on. So, uh, the, don't worry, go, go, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Uh, the question you asked me, uh, I've been asked uh, the very same question, actually, in the ITS Congress we organized, uh, we had organized in Lisbon in May, and I shall offer the same answer. I don't know. To be more precise, we really do not know uh, the specifics, but we'll uh, make a 5G analyzer or uh, what will be uh, 6G's impact on transport uh, and, let's say, smart mobility in general. But what we can, uh, a statement that we can make here, I can make here, is that uh, the feature of always-on ubiquitous connectivity that 6G, 6G will break is a unique feature. Why? Because everything, everywhere, all at once, millions or trillions of devices, smart car uh, being a prime example of a connected automated vehicle of uh, such a device need to be connected. And uh, 6G, due to the high speed, ultra high speed and ultra low latency characteristics that has, it will enable V2X communication. Maxim mentioned that and uh, one more colleague here. So, and uh, this enablement uh, will uh, further enable autonomous driving or smart traffic management or uh, let's say remote vehicle monitoring and maintenance, uh, firmware over the air updates, software over the air uh, upgrades, and not to miss, of course, uh, the, the enhanced uh, positioning and uh, localization uh, for vehicles and other assets, with the inclusion, of course, with uh, full integration of satellite systems, Maxim mentioned that earlier. So I think uh, the overall effect is expected to be positive that make the intelligent uh, transportation systems even smarter. To mention also that uh, safety-critical functionalities uh, will be enabled as well, like, for example, intelligent cooperative maneuver collision avoidance. Now, not to miss the fun bit, and I close with it. Of course, 6G is expected through, let's say, holographic displays and augmented reality technologies uh, to make the in-vehicle entertainment uh, systems uh, even more entertaining by offering full immersive experience. So let's look to uh, to the future in a bright way, but uh, let's, uh, let's uh, wait to see how many of these things that we discuss now will become a reality as up, up to now many things can still be decided, uh, standardized, developed and integrated in the concept of 6G as on Hamid Lab. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nikos, very much. I think what you said is very interesting from a general point of view. We are producing a technology which will arrive in 2030, so in seven years' time now. So we have all the time, you know, to come together and to, you know, to, to match our roadmaps, you know, so that our networks will be really meaningful for you when they arrive. Then when they arrive, they will be programmed for implementation, deployment, whatever. But still, we are, I think that the, the, the age of generalistic networks are probably will go more and more towards specialized networks for specific use cases and that will be a success start. So, so thank you for the survivor of the of the panel. I would uh, give a great applause to our panelists. We will have other sessions like this in the future. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by SNS ICE, an EU-backed project focused on creating a collaborative environment for the development and deployment of 6G smart networks and services. The project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon Europe Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 1010958411.